PlayStation shakeups, and our desk training impressions. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a Death Stranding podcast. What's up, Saul? No, keep going. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as I just spoiled in case you've never heard of this, is Mr. Saul. Bridges. Uh, Saul Bridges. I'm bringing you guys lucky episode 137. <laughs> oh, is it 137? Yep. <laughs> you were way the hell off. That's why I was like, I was having to like very quickly stall to go check. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I understand. We have another topic about Death Stranding today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... If you've never heard of us, we are a PlayStation-based podcast, so we do talk about everybody in the industry, uh, what we'd like to see them do that PlayStation's doing, what we'd like to see PlayStation doing that we see them doing that we like uh, across the board. If you want to watch our ugly mugs and see this beautiful bridge baby uh, and our ridiculous taped-up laptops uh, that we decided to do, then go over to YouTube uh, at youtube.com slash nartech and you can watch this show every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST. If you like what we're talking about or have anything that you want to add, of course, go down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts on any of this stuff. If you don't want to watch us and you prefer to listen, you can go over to any podcast services, be it Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, all across the board. If you use Podbean, there's an app that you can download and comment on the stuff if you want to give your thoughts that way without having to go to social media. And of course, if you want to find us on social media and chime in for our community's take section, which is where at the end of every episode, we ask a question at the beginning of the following episode, we go back and we get all the community's answers and give them out so that we can kind of give, get an idea for ourselves of what the community's feeling as well as let y'all kind of see what the large larger group of people is feeling in comparison to what we think. Uh, if you want to chime into that, you can go over to Twitter and our Twitter is triangles uh, at triangle S Q R D. We have a Facebook group called triangle square to PlayStation podcast asked to be joined uh, or asked to enter. And we will gladly get you in. You won't see Saul over there cause he doesn't have Facebook uh, or you Facebook can go to devil. our discord, which we have linked down in the description below. And we have a, podcast discussion chat where you can talk about anything from the podcast including the main topic uh, or we have a community's take section as well where you can give just your thoughts in the community's take uh, and as well as just general chat music chat different game chats and a, and a lively group of people in there so if you want to join that go ahead and go into the description below click through and we'd love to see you there and last but certainly not least, if you like what we're doing here, like our good friend, Mr. Josh Ayers, who went on to our Patreon last night and gave us a cool little thanks post that made my night better when I was in the middle of playing Death Stranding and starting it up. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. But if you want to support the show with more than just your time, which we understand is one of the most valuable resources, then you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech uh, and consider giving as little as $1 a month uh, or more. Go check out the different things that we have over there. You can get new, con- you can get early content here and there exclusive content here and there uh as well as just mainly supporting us you know we try not to make anything too exclusive because uh, we love you guys whether you give us money or not that's not what this is about this is about us having fun coming together and talking to you guys so with that much said we are going to talk about some of the shakeups at playstation with this episode there's been a couple of more um employee changes or uh, i should say role changes even uh, alongside the uh me and Saul both finally getting coming into Death Stranding and talk about just how odd that game is and uh kind of our feeling on where it's at with how little we are into it you know unlike the majority of the industry I'm not gonna say the majority but unlike plenty of the industry um we were not given review copies or anything this is just our thoughts based off of what we bought and how little far we are into it given that the game is only three days old at this point so start this thing off the right way Saul what's been up to I've been playing a lot of Death Stranding. 
Uh, I assume you still played Destiny 2 up until Friday, though. Yeah. Well, actually, I only played Destiny 2 on Friday. Like, I didn't play anything at all this past week. I had actually a busy week after work for three of my five days. And I uh, kind of relaxed and just... We were rewatching Breaking Bad again. So... Hmm. Um, yeah, so like I played Destiny on Friday night with Joe, and then I jumped into Death Stranding Saturday morning. And yeah, what about you? Other than other than Death Stranding, did you get that old palate cleanser feeling? You know, palate cleanser feeling. Yeah, like where you didn't play anything for like a week, and nope. then coming into Death Stranding is already way different. You just feel like, oh, this is fresh. I think that was a, that that game gave me that impression, anyways. Okay, I was curious. Um, let's see. My week has been weird. My sense of time is all over the place. Um, with that being said, I did not prepare news like I normally did because for some reason my brain completely forgot today was Sunday up until it came time to record. Uh, so I apologize. We're going to run through things that I already know that I was going to talk about regardless, but, um, let's see game wise. I don't think I played anything, but I genuinely have a hard time remembering right now. Dude, my memory's been crap lately. I don't know what's going on. Well, I mean, I beat... Okay, I, I think I said... That's what we're talking... That's where we're at. Y- Yakuza. Kiwami. Okay. I beat it. Uh, and I have, for the time being, stopped my pursuit of the Platinum. Um, be- because it was taking a lot of time up. I went through and was looking at what games I wanted to buy. and just never landed on anything. I never went and got the Outer Worlds. I'm probably going to pick up Blasphemous. Um, I got a bunch of things kind of in the pot. But, you know, Death Stranding was coming. And I was kind of just thinking... Eh, you know, I can just wait, play Death Stranding. I didn't really want to start something like The Outer Worlds uh, while trying to figure out what Death Stranding was and not knowing how much Death Stranding was going to pull me or not pull me. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of just like, I'll wait and see. And I'm, right now I'm glad I did. Not only just because of time, because of all the stuff going on, you know, I'm trying to maintain that not buy a game until I know I'm going to play it, unless it's some situation where I pre-order a collector's edition. I'm doing the same thing after Division 2, which I've, I've never still played. You still haven't played? Never played it. I bought it, never played it. And you bought Anthem and played like maybe three hours of it, two yeah. hours, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I want to get into Outer Worlds, but I actually think that I'll probably end up getting into Outer Worlds maybe the weekend of Thanksgiving. Okay. Since we that's a very short week for us, we yeah. get off on Wednesday. Well, there's so much stuff like we were talking about. You know, we have Death Stranding that just hit. Uh, Pokemon's Friday for you, and I still don't know if I'm getting it. Yeah, day Pokemon's one. Friday. But then we have Jedi Fallen Order, which I think we're both excited for. Um, Surprisingly, that game actually kind of did take me off guard. Like at first, I was like, "It looks cool," but I just don't know how I feel. Yeah, and the more and more they showed, suddenly impressed. it became like, oh, "Okay, I really want that." Um, but think, there's that. There's I think. Uh, see, Star Wars would probably be the week after. Then there's the Outer Worlds. So even if you do that, that's three weeks in a row where we have games that we're. You think you're going to beat Death Stranding in a week, given your current schedule? Yeah. Okay. I hope so. I mean, me too. For, <laughs> I'm trying to give it my all. Maybe maybe not a week. So, like, if I got home and I played it every day after work, I'd have four to five hours a day. That's 25 hours a week. Oh, plus also, the weekend. So, yeah. l- little little spoiler for you guys, not for anything other than the show. Uh, we're going to have to figure out when to record because I will not be in town on Friday or Saturday. Okay, so, whether, we, whether we're going to still well, do it on Sunday. I not on Friday either. So. Okay, well, that probably works out. I'll see if Sunday still works. But I just wanted to give you the heads up that we might have to make a weird impromptu. It's going to be double episode. weird because... 
for those that may be unaware, Dickish at Best is slightly delayed for the normal episode, but we're still working out giving you guys something else. we got to record that this week, too. So. Schedules have been very odd lately. So thank you guys for hanging in with us. But uh, moving on, I guess, because I can't think of anything else I've played besides Yakuza. I, I actually don't think I've played anything uh, besides Yakuza. I quit playing it. So if you're playing the Outer Worlds or anything other than Death Stranding that I've mentioned here, let me know what you think about it. I think Corey finally, uh, I think Corey picked up Blasphemous or started playing it again, one of the two, and said, it's amazing so i'm excited for that i really want to play that game there's just so much stuff going on in the gaming world and let alone this is my big problem i've gotten way back into too many expensive hobbies in a very short period of time so gaming was my one, gaming was my one that i stuck with for the most time now i'm getting really back into music and i've been putting money into that then of course I got a hot rod that I'm working on and I'm putting money and time into that. So it's like not each of those take up time and money in a very different way to where I don't have, like I didn't even start death stranding until nine o'clock on Saturday uh, and nine o'clock at night because I had worked all day on the truck. And then Friday I wrote music all day. So it's been a very productive weekend, but that's part of why my time, like my idea of time is so thrown off is I just feel like I've done way too much but also, like, Saturday didn't kind of exist because of the way that I ended up experiencing it. I don't know. But we're going to go ahead and move on to our community stakes section and see what you guys had to say. And let me go grab that up real quick. So the community stake question that we went with. You can go to Twitter. I ain't going on Twitter anymore. Oh, yeah. Saul's avoiding Twitter and avoiding those uh, very fickle very potential death stranding spoilers. So, you know what? Well, we all understand that. What's funny is like, I said that before we recorded and then I was browsing a second ago to go to the thing and I saw another, these aren't really spoilers that I'm seeing. It's just visual things. And I'm like, I would it's, it's enough to scare you. It's not enough to scare me. It's just like, I would rather have seen that in game. Okay. Yeah, it's nothing enough. in context of the story or anything like that. It's just cool things. Yeah. I've got you. Uh, let's see. This is not one around. The community state oh, question for last week was, I don't know why that seemed to have, not loaded correctly. I apologize. Um, Here, I got it on Twitter. We asked you guys, how do you feel about game delays? Are you one to take it as hope uh, that it'll make the game? Nope. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't about exclusive, wasn't it? Yeah, I just don't know why it didn't show up right. I've got it fixed. How do you feel about exclusives? Would you like to see Sony one day mimic Microsoft and have PC releases for all of their games, more or less either day and day or very very minimally delayed? Or would you prefer them to stick to the idea of a true console exclusive? Why so for either one? Uh, Liam is the first one, and actually I really like what he said. Nintendo needs them and why they death grip them because they push sales. And he's absolutely right. You know, we, we are talking about Sony. We're talking about Microsoft, but that's because we feel like those are the two that for a while have locked into the main competition. But Nintendo, this generation is really pushed back around. And one of the way they're doing that is entirely with exclusives, you know, for all the people that it's, it's, it's interesting to see how people break things down because Sony automatically gets looked at and compared to with what Microsoft's doing. So people who are digging what Microsoft's doing is like, I really wish Sony would put their games on PC so I can experience them as well. But nobody that I can see, at least uh, in the in the social media scuttlebutt, as it were, is asking for Nintendo games to go on PC. I've not seen that, that just because they know it'll never happen. Yeah, but I mean, why why does that same logic not apply to PlayStation when we've only seen it happen on games that they did that they own the IP or they didn't own the studio? Because we probably didn't see it happen. We didn't we didn't see that question asked a lot of PlayStation until it happened. 
Yeah, I guess that's fair, but I saw people asking that all the way back when Bloodborne, this is well before Sony released any game on PC. That would be or the, allowed any game to be published cuz they didn't even publish it themselves. They just licensed the publishing That would be the out. one game that I do remember people saying for uh, like they wanted it on PC, but it, that's really it. And I think that they only I think really a lot of the people that are asking that was the Soulsborne community which is massive on PC. Yeah. PC is is any Twitch streamer who's who streams Souls uh games. They they are PC primary players because they do mods to refresh the gameplay throughs and stuff like that. Well, like randomizers. So yeah, like I think it's not nearly on the level. I've never seen somebody ask Nintendo a Nintendo game to be on PC. Yeah, and but see, but nobody seems to question Nintendo's take on doing exclusives. That's essentially what I really mean. Nobody is like, oh, I want a Mario here, and of course. It's a, it's a little weird because phones skewed everything. There's been an Uncharted phone game that was game. not at all what you'd expect, but there was. A Halo phone one. game? There's been Halo phone games. There's been Mario phone games. I so, think at least. Was Spartan Ops on uh, I thought so. phone? I could be wrong, but I thought so. But either way, my point goes, uh, let's just say Gears of War. Gears of War has a pop game on phones. So it, it's not weird for you to see exclusive franchises end up ending up on uh, on phone. That is somewhat skewed it for everybody. But outside of that, when you're talking about main gaming platforms outside of phones uh, that are dedicated, I, I should say, well, I'm going to say dedicated because PC is not even dedicated. I don't think consoles even count as dedicated gaming machines anymore. You can do so much else on them. But outside of phones, every other console, no one's asking for Nintendo to put their games on PC or anything, at least not nearly at the rate or at the visibility across social media that you see it happen between people wanting Sony and Microsoft to mimic each other. You have the you have the side of the aisle that's saying, uh, we want Sony to release all their games on PC and do something a little bit more like that, which is very similar to what Blake here says. He says, I like Microsoft's approach to exclusives. I'm not a PC gamer, but it's good to know if I ever do get one or switch over or whatever, I can continue playing some of my favorite games or go back and forth. The more ways for me to enjoy the games I love, the better. So you have the group of people that kind of see that. And then you have the group of people on the other side of the aisle that are saying, well, we love what Sony's doing. We think the idea of true exclusives are great. So why does play, well, you know, Xbox has no true exclusives. It's, you see kind of that on both. And I, and I mean that all the way from the people who are actually kind of trolling and, and throwing that out as troll language. And then the other people that are yeah. like, Hey, even though y'all enjoy it, I personally think that Xbox should have true exclusives to better drive their business. And you see that. So it's, it's like a rational approach to it. And then the troll approach and that exists on both sides. You have the people that are like Blake is being very calm and, rational about it but you are having people that be like no it's stupid and just so ridiculous that sony doesn't have their games on pc well they don't own I, they don't own something like honestly where i stand on is do you really think that xbox games would be on pc if microsoft did not own windows because you only see them on windows you don't even see them on mac that that goes to show you uh, it is it's it's platform specific that's a hard question to answer because i don't know if i could picture them as a company at this point in their life without that. Cause I think windows has helped them out. Like Microsoft money has helped them out a lot. Oh, absolutely. Well, Microsoft was their own company. I really don't know where Microsoft would be or well, whatever it would be. Xbox brand would be right now if it wasn't yeah. Microsoft. But that's what I mean is that if, if you went back and imagine this, this marketing plan, this idea wouldn't have happened if they weren't also in control of the windows ecosystem. Yeah. And that's why you don't see their games come over and pop up on things like Mac. Something that is important though, is that if you want to be toxic and say that Xbox has no exclusives because there's they, they share exclusives on pc yeah it's like okay then death training is not an exclusive 
yeah. to PlayStation yeah. anymore. So, it's not. Now you're getting into that, that yeah, terminology that's, that's that we hate. hate. Yeah. Even though it's real. When people it's, act like that. I hated the terminology of console exclusive just because those those award shows and reveal shows overuse them like crazy. Console exclusive. <laughs> Xbox exclusive. It's like, okay, I get it, guys. Just yeah. chill out. And see, another one on Twitter that we have was our good buddy Koi Live. Uh, he says that I understand exclusives exist for money, but I would rather play on p- my PC where I have a lot more performance to throw at games. Corey which, Live is one of our great patrons. I appreciate yes, it, man. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think a lot of people, like you're talking about with Bloodborne, it's, it's, it's about wanting to be able to play a series or something akin to a series that you've loved on the platform that you normally enjoy them on and with the added ability to be able to put randomizers and so, stuff on them like you're talking about. So I mentioned that I was playing Destiny with Joe mainly because he finally downloaded First Light on Steam on his PC yeah. and we were playing that. That um, De- Joe Borderline does not think he'll go back to PS4 Destiny. Yeah, um, it feels so different. It, it feels from a performance. So, yeah. yeah, and I asked him. I was like, you know, I always hear a lot of people saying that PCs are really hard to worry about and set up. I said, you got a pre-built PC um, that's not even really intended for gaming, but it has good specs. And I said, uh, how hard is it for you to really worry about opening up Destiny and stuff like that? He's like. He's like, he's like, I don't understand that conversation from people on my end because he said, I bought this PC. I hooked it up to my monitor like I would a TV. He's like, and then I got Destiny on my launch bar. He's like, I click it twice and then I sit back with a controller. Yeah, but this this goes back to you know that side of things and where PC can be a problem like we brought up before. And it's not saying that it always happens this way. Right. But, but it goes it, to show you that happen. it can. Yeah. And that's like your bungee loader crashing the game every two not seconds. Not bungee, blizzard. Blizzard loader. Yeah. Sorry. Because so they're... they're they have a terrible client. See, but that's my point. And if you want to play those same Blizzard games on, on PlayStation, you don't have to go through any of that. You just right. play the game. Well, you have to go through Blizzard services, which I think that I think that's true, at least. Why don't Kiki or Liam, why don't y'all let me know if you still have to sign into Overwatch and stuff like that through Blizzard? My I finger is bleeding. I should probably do something I don't know if it, you, you know. Uh, I don't know if you have to anymore. But one more on Twitter that I really like, mainly because I actually disagree with it a lot, is our buddy Doc. He says... Console exclusivity moves product and help games that aren't automatic. Quote, this will make money, unquote. So money games that, uh, that move <clears throat> mainly, uh, or it helps out games that aren't automatic money makers. But he goes on to say, there's something people don't take into account. If it wasn't for exclusivity, does anyone think we would have gotten as many good indie games as we got this generation? Yes. That has nothing to do with exclusivity. Well, he says, and by that, I mean it allows yeah, the know. industry was, to go. Uh, to yeah, grow. I was going to I was gonna go to that after when he says, and by that, I mean it allows the industry to grow. Nothing has pushed the envelope of gaming this year more than SIE. I agree with that bottom statement of nobody has pushed the envelope this this generation compared to um, SIE, but I don't agree with the indies. Um, you will find higher quality, high volume indie games on Steam. Adama doesn't compare to PS4. You, like... Most of these games that everybody loves are on PC first before they come to console. It's very rare. On the indie scene, that's definitely true. Yeah, I agree with that. It's very rare that you get a console indie game exclusive. Um, and for every one of those you get, you get five indie games that have been on Steam for a year before they came to console. Or they never they, come to console. But it is rare. I'll say this. Obviously... The the console and one of the parts I do agree with that is that it allows the industry to grow. It does. Well, when it but not with, when it not allows the when it lets the console industry grow, it makes it to where these great indie games are coming over to console. So at least you're having a chance to play them if you don't want to bother with a PC. It's kind of so I, I agree to a middle ground, but I otherwise I completely agree. You know, console exclusivity does move products and help games come out that aren't automatically going to make a lot of money or that are not immediately appealing in the broadest sense possible. And the reason I say that. 
and it's funny we're going to get into it for a little bit, but I mean, Death Stranding exists. One of the one of the most interesting things about Death Stranding, uh, before we ever, ever get into that conversation, though, is that I am incredibly surprised to see a AAA game of this caliber, of this graphical standpoint, of the budget that was given to them, and of the namesake behind it, be so surprisingly weird in a way where I genuinely understand why the game is so divisive between people. It's very rare that you see this happen on a in gaming at this budget because they want to try and risk avert as much as possible. Now, the way that they chose to risk avert this way was we're going to give him every bit of budget we are. And we're just going to hope that the name Kojima and the promise between his what what people expect from his quality of games means that it'll sell. But there's so much going on here that's like, this is weird. I can't believe that they let a, st- a studio do this because it's so different and so off the wall. And so that's one of the upsides that console exclusivity does have. Some of these games may have never happened in this way. There are groups of people who may never, and we see this even happen on Xbox. But I don't, you know, the, the, we, there are games that happen that a group of people with this idea would have not gotten to make it if it wasn't for a console try a console manufacturer trying to make a weird unique game that you can't find anywhere else on their console so that you have a reason to buy their console so they can bolster their business to be fair though I agree with that statement but I wouldn't necessarily say the console manufacturer is the one that's doing that it's the studio well, but the console manufacturer is the one giving it the money for it to happen. Right. Now, Kickstarter kind of skewed that a little bit. Yeah. But so many people so up. many people distrust Kickstarter. Yeah. You you being one of them. It's funny that you're going to bring it up, but you don't like the idea of supporting a game on Kickstarter, do you? Uh, no, well, no, not like that. I don't like the idea of AAA devs or people who come from lots of money try to fund projects through Kickstarter when they have the available funds. Places well, I like don't could, know if they do, man. That's that's one of the biggest things. I don't know that people in gaming Zach have Braff as much wanting money to as you fund think. a movie on on Kickstarter. Come on, dude's a multimillionaire. Yeah, no, that's a different. Ball movie, game. Yeah, I'm talking about but, video games specifically. I don't right. think that there's as much money in video games as a lot of people think there are in terms well, of to the developers. Well, I mean, that, then that could be true, but we'll, it's kind of like we in, never in films, truly know. In films, a lot of the time, the actors make way more money than the producers and directors yeah. do. You know, it's just one of those things. But they still, the producers and directors still make money. I'm not saying that, but it's still just I, an interesting like, Games like, um, ooh, what is that name of that game? It's, it's slated to come out this year. I had the beta on PC, but I never got around to playing it. Also, Assad? No. Oh, um, no, not Lost Soul Side. You're talking about Pray to the Gods? Yes. Yeah, I, I see, I backed that game. Yeah, I did too. That's how I got the beta. Yeah. But my thing is, is that like, that's from a stu- studio that, name another game they've made. No, they haven't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you have games. It's a group of people who just said, hey, we really want to make something. And see, the side of that and is. And what they're doing re- with it is regardless, yeah, regardless of what it is, if are. you haven't seen that game, it's, uh, it's inspired by Shadow of the Colossus. Um, go check it out. But what I appreciate that is I really wouldn't have cared what they made and whether or not they'd made something before. What they, what they have is a game that there's clearly a market for, but I wouldn't expect anybody in the market to actually make. Well, it's not always about what they made previously for me. That's what I was saying. It's more about the... the, it's, the yeah, the, it's almost to me, it's just the idea. If I think the idea is worth it regardless, I think it's worth it. You know, well, people saying, hey, we want Iga to make another uh, Castlevania game in his style and him going, okay, well, I'm going to make Bloodstained. It's not technically Castlevania, but it's everything you loved about Castlevania yeah. and everything. And the game was amazing. You know, but that wouldn't have... It probably wouldn't have happened if he didn't go and and it was rocky and i'm not going to say it was perfect but it probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for kickstarter yeah uh which but, which i guess does go to to put a little bit of a, a hole in this of console exclusivity is not the only way to go about making a strange game but it's a way 
That's how I was bringing it up. That's a little bit more interesting, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but still, it's it's a very narrow path that sometimes interesting game ideas don't get made. And there's times that interesting game ideas fail on Kickstarter because they don't reach their goals. But that same game, if it would have been under a, a, a manufacturer who's trying to make something just that much different and would be willing to take the blow on that game sales just to get that many more people coming in to buy a console so that every game that they buy outside of that game, they start making money on. Then it's, it, it's, a, it's all about the business model. Yeah, and, but and then again, you get into that weird spot. That's too why exclusives are good. Are when, when, you know, when, you, when you're partnered with a corporation that gives you the funding and then what you would consider a success for a low in, or low titled indie game, but the company sees a failure, they don't want to work with you anymore. That kind of could mess you up versus Kickstarter. That happens. You technically, it doesn't really affect you because, hey, you made, you know, excess amount of money than what you thought originally. And there's nothing above you looking over it saying that wasn't enough. Because for you it was. Um, And that all depends on the people that you're working with across the board. That's why I brought it up specifically because in, in any situation like this, I'll never, I will always give studios the credit first and foremost. And then the... Uh, the people who worked at those studios and, and I'll never give it up to exclusivity being a, a factor in it primarily secondary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Primarily though, that's, you know, the craziness of this game doesn't come from Sony. It comes from Kojima's mind. No, definitely. Sony just facilitated the cost to be able to show us that. Yeah. But they, what they did is that from everything we can see, they took an explanation of a game. Cause they he even said they didn't even have a working part product of the game. Sony got into it knowing that, hey, there's a high chance that we're, whatever he yeah, makes is they, They're like, this deal. story is crazy. This is Kojima. We know he's going to have a crazy yeah. story. I'm still convinced this game Silent Hills. I'm just waiting for this to take place. I want to go throw one over from Facebook on. Uh, we got Mr. Donovan here, my good good friend, and also a patron. Thanks, man. Uh, True console exclusives, 100% is what he says. It's a major driving factor for buying PlayStation. If I went that way, the only thing you'd need is a Nintendo. If it went that way, the only thing you'd need is a Nintendo product and a PC. And here's where something really comes in that I think is a really good point. From from Josh Ayers, another one of our patrons. He says he agrees with this. Is it any surprise that Xbox has the cheapest console, the most powerful console, and Games Pass, yet sell a lot less units per month than PlayStation and Nintendo? And it's no hit on the quality of Xbox or anything. It's not saying that Xbox is not good, but it goes to show that that the two people that have what's considered in the industry right now the strongest exclusives are selling better than the one who openly admits that they that they needed to do better on exclusives and have bought multiple studios to try and remedy that. Yeah, of course, that's why they bought all those studios. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you, I, that, I think that's actually a really great point, and I think he worded it in the exact right way. Is you know. It, it is interesting that you have a company that's trying to hit all these things, but even though they're doing everything right and having the cheapest entry point, the most expensive entry point with the most power, and then also this really good value in Games Pass where it's like, well, hey, you don't have to buy the games. You just spend this amount of money and you have all these games to play, well, yet they still can't get enough people to buy their games or their console in comparison to what the two competition are doing. I, I will who, say, though, that, that that should that's a good statement and like it makes a lot of sense but that's still we're, they're finally getting the stuff down to like what is a a nice excuse me a nice level of a package or a balance a balance the package, yeah, yeah but we're six years into the generation at this point everybody yeah. and their friends already bought playstation yes that's we're gonna look we're gonna it's gonna look a lot different when we see how this ends up being next generation yeah so yeah, really, we're, we're really a year curious. out from seeing how weird this is or how much this is going to and black friday sales too because i have not seen the xbox black friday sales yet i've seen playstation 
the Switch ones we talked about last episode ended up being incorrect. Yeah. Uh, but the PlayStation VR Black Friday sale is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I kind of want to get it. If if we go out that night, I'm like, I might pick one of those up if I can it's find it. It's $1.99. Yeah, man. $200 in like six games. Yeah. And the set. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to go ahead and move on. But thank you guys for everybody yeah, who chimed in. We love the community stake section. Gives us a chance to think about things slightly differently and either reiterate some of our points or rethink some of our points. So we hope to hear more of you chime in. Like we said, if you want to do so in the comments below, you always can, or just head over to social media. Uh, we make a post normally on Wednesday. I try to, but sometimes Thursday, uh, where we go and throw it on there and, and see what you guys have to say. But moving over into some of the news that we are going to talk about, one of the things that we decided to bring in with this when we went to the news was the kind of a dual episode where we do talk about Death Stranding, but we had two prominent people leave PlayStation. Uh, or, 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 I shouldn't say that. We had one prominent person leave PlayStation in terms of Geo Corsi. I'm not going to say he's the most prominent, but he's been there and did a lot. He was part of the Build the List. He was he worked alongside Adam Boys in the early days of the PlayStation 4 and the, and the Vita as well in terms of getting a lot of great games over to the console and running. Um, so he was a, a driving force, I should at least say, in PlayStation that had a big social media presence and was one of what I consider to be the last bastions of people who were technically PlayStation upper people, at least. I'm not going to say upper. That's, it, it's weird. But he was a face of PlayStation that was still constantly communicating with people and being friendly and open and communicating in a way that felt human. And I think he did a lot to humanize the company on Twitter and social media, which is great. And he's a very nice guy. I met him multiple times. Um, on that, you know, he left. No replacement that we've heard of for him yet or anything. We don't know what's happening in that particular situation. But what we do know on the other side is that uh, Shuhei Yoshida, who's been the president of Worldwide Studios, uh, our head, whatever you want to call it, head of Worldwide Studios for so long, uh, since 2007, I want to say, maybe 2008. Um, but anyway... We now have Guerrilla Games' Herman Holst, which was, he's the studio director, much like Shannon Sudstill is over at um, um, Sandy, uh, Santa Monica Studios. So he was the Guerrilla Games' managing director and co-founder, and he has now taken over as the head of Worldwide Studios to oversee all of PlayStation's uh, studios and games that they are doing and kind of do the exact same thing that we were seeing Shuhei do. Go through, play the games, see where they're at, what they need to do, I think he actually is a great fit for it. I don't know if you've seen any of them, but he's got a lot of different interviews he's done with people. Uh, they, they did some interviews with content creators where it was him and Neil Druckmann getting together and talking about some stuff and some other people they got together. I think he's a really great fit for this. He's got a great personality, great work ethic from everything that you see him doing. Uh, I think this is cool. Uh, and we see the other side effect of that is that Shuhei is not leaving PlayStation. Instead, he's going into a role, which is a new initiative that will look after, quote, nurture external, smaller, uh, independent studios. So it's essentially going to be reasserting PlayStation's stance of how they work with indies. Um, and this came alongside an interesting conversation. So... I think we've both said it to an extent, right? Is that it seems like Sony got to a point where they were talking about indies less and less. But, you know, and it's, and I've always knew this is true, and I've said it to an extent, but it just goes to show, it's that they've changed the way they go about working and wording with it. There was an interview with Jim Ryan where he talked about all this, and he talked about PlayStation and where they stand with the indies, and he said, you know, he brought up a lot of indies that are coming out on VR, 
PSVR specifically. And I will agree, there's a lot of great independent studios that are going and making games for the VR, but it seems like we're seeing less focus on the ones that are not VR going. And since the VR is more of a niche market, it just feels like there's a little bit more of a silence. So this is a way for them to reiterate and change up the way that they go about getting independent studios to come in, make games for them, and kind of rekindle an outward presence with them with somebody who loves doing the work, which Shuhei obviously loves studios and going around and visiting these people and playing interesting games. Um, so I think that's really cool. You have anything you want to say about that? So, yeah, like I, I do agree that I really do hope we see a more influx of non VR indies and kind of to relate and re and reflect on a point I said earlier is that I do want to see exclusive indie games in the, scale and quality of dead cells and hollow Knight and stuff like that because those two games alone now you mean playstation exclusive yes ones, huh? yeah because uh, okay. if they're wanting to shift focus i think that it's proper to go ahead and just hit hit it hard well okay so that goes into the question of should the should the focus of getting indies be getting indies that people like on other platforms over to your platform and then also actually both Okay. Yeah, so the high-quality ones and getting a mix of games that we because haven't Because I think yet. what we both agree on here, right, is that we should say there's not been a slowdown of indies coming to PlayStation 4. Every big indie game is still coming to PS4. What it seems to have happened is that Sony stopped promoting them in the way that they did in the earlier days, where we saw this a lot, and it started being a little bit more about their uh, their first party, and which is reasonable when they have such a great first-party stable. I get that. Yeah. But being able to find a balance between the two seemed nice. It made the PlayStation 4 feel like to the outer consumer, and even me, as someone who actually keeps up with it and understands where they're actually at, it still gave this feeling of like they care just as much about the little guy as they do their own big things, and it makes it feel like it's a console where you can experience that much more. It, got, it has you covered in the basic needs, and it also has you covered in the big ones. And what we saw is, I think, the Switch surprised them. They didn't expect the Switch to come out, and I don't know for sure, but this is my guess on why. This, they didn't expect the Switch to come out and have such good third-party support. And yeah. part of the reason it had such good third-party support was because of independence. So it's that's technically a third-party as far as I'm seeing it. And it's not only renewed real third-party publishers like Ubisoft and EA and all these people to come through and get their games going on Switch. Uh, like we're seeing the Outer Worlds come on Switch, which is 2K technically. It's, I mean, it's a private division, but interesting that that's happening. And I think that Nintendo took over the mantle of, of showcasing their first party games and also highlighting indies in a way that felt natural and real. They were like, hey, we're going to do this direct that's all about indie games. What were they called? The, the Nindies. Nindies, yeah, which was a weird name, but at least it was something that showed that it was dedicated. It was specifically for that. They're going to roll through that. And then on a different occasion, they'll show you their first party games. Uh, Sony talks a lot right now about changing the way in which they show games and release games and all that stuff and how E3 may not be as important to them, which, you know, I hope is not a permanent fixture. I, I would like to see them come back to E3 as long as E3 remains relevant. But at the same time, seeing Sony come back to a point where they're doing cuts like they used to do in E3, where it was like, we're going to give a little 10 minute section where we show you a bunch of cool indie games and a little bit more in depth than just a quick sizzle reel. And then we'll still show you extra ones in a sizzle reel that may catch your eye, but you know, we're trying to highlight some games. It, they moved really far away from that and Nintendo embraced it hard saying, Hey, these are the games that we're going to champion. And we're going to say, these are the big indie games for us. Well, and that's something, give these developers a platform. And that's something I was saying like a year ago uh, or a year and a half ago is that 
with Sony not trying to put anything into the handheld market, Nintendo's stealing these independent titles for handhelds where Vita was succeeding. You know, all these fun games uh, that you could get on Vita that that you could get on PlayStation 2, but a lot of people uh, would rather have played them on the on a handheld, especially the Vita. You know, Nintendo now has those. And now Nintendo seems to be ramping it up in that, like getting Hollow Knight first and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that's a, that was one that... That blew my mind. I really thought that that I would come to PlayStation first, if if not all of them at the same time. But the fact that no, no, Nintendo got it like what a year, yeah, um, in advance. It's like that sounds about right. That's why I that's why I would wish that that Sony would focus on this more so that they could help get these over here at the same amount of time. Because typically with like indie games like that, I'm gonna play that on a handheld more so than a big screen. But there are times like I often thought about buying Hollow Knight. Especially when it was on sale, like a, a couple weeks back on PlayStation, where it would just it you know a replay of it would be different on on a bigger screen. Sure. So well, it's on PlayStation now as well. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, Hollow Knight joined PlayStation. Hollow Knight, Persona Five, and um, which there you go. That's your other piece of news. Shadow, it's of, Shadow of War. Sh- oh, is it? Oh, okay. Shadow of Mordor has been on the service. Oh yeah, that's Oops. right. That's the older one. I get those names switched yeah. up. So anyway, yeah, those are those are your new PS Now announcements. Uh, Anyway, you want to add anything else before I move on? Nope. Go ahead and move on. Uh, Next thing uh, is actually talking about PS Now, so that's a good accidental segue. Uh, Mr. Jim Ryan. What's up? Go ahead. I'm just going to go pee. Okay. In case you guys wanted to know where Saul was going, he he was nice enough to tell you. Anyway, Jim Ryan, uh, the new uh, CEO for PlayStation, or, you know, for SIE, I should say, uh, he says, you know, there was a, a big interview that came out. And one of the things he talked about was PlayStation. Now he says, we're taking this very seriously. And this is related to everything. This is PS. Now this is PS five as well. But he says, we're taking it very seriously. The commitment we've made in terms of price cuts for PS. Now the investment in content for PS. Now the marketing campaign, it's a pretty vivid, vivid illustration of that seriousness. We've been doing this for a number of years and very, very quietly. We've been taking an awful lot from it. We had an important inflection point earlier this year when we were able to bring the last seven data centers online for Scandinavia, Italy, and Spain, which gave us blanket coverage of Western Europe. That was a game-changing moment because as someone who spent a lot of time in Europe, I was nervous talking too much about a service that a German player could enjoy, but an Italian gamer could not. So we were switching on the lights at the various data centers, and the process was rather time-consuming. Only when we got to the point where we have the whole of Western Europe could we have a proper conversation with the European community and start to take this seriously. So this goes to show about why PS Now is expanding so much, why they're starting to take it more serious on a, on a marketing level. One of the things you saw with PlayStation this generation is that they went from being individual PlayStations like uh, so Sony, uh, Sony America, Sony Europe, and Sony Japan. Now they've become a global conglomerate. So it's just SIE proper now and it's on a global scale one of the things that globalization globalization does is that when you're going to start talking about marketing campaigns they actually mentioned this they can do these things a lot more efficiently so now that ps now is up across all of europe they have it in japan and then they can go through and look at what america has going for it uh then what they can do now is run these things run these advertisements on a global scale in a way that makes sense they can make aggressive moves like making a price cut because it won't seem like it's happening separate from everybody else so one of the other things he also started talking about in regards to that, he says, however, PS Now, uh, 
Uh, he said that they don't want PS Now to be cannibalizing big PlayStation launches, such as like The Last of Us 2, things like Death Stranding that just came out and whatnot. So one of the things they also want to do is that first-party exclusives will head to PlayStation consoles first, and then way, way later, they'll head to PS Now, which I actually think, you know, a lot of people were wondering, is PS Now going to be something that starts to be more akin to what Game Pass is doing? And I've always said I didn't think it was a great idea, for a number of reasons. I don't, I mean, I, I think that, you know, what, what we we're just talking about, we talked about how we felt about exclusives last time. And I still stand on the fact, you know, I still stand by what I said for the most part, even though I've had a couple of things that were said from the community that opened my mind a little bit more. But when you're looking at that, PlayStation, for me, I think if it's best that PlayStation stays around and keeps making games I like that I'm not seeing other people do, then for them to still let their exclusives come out and be the driving factor behind people trying to buy their consoles so that they can continue in this perpetuity, then I am okay with that. That's why I, I think that this is a, a smarter move on my own decision. But I'm really curious because, and unless I've, there's an article that I have not seen, uh, Blake would be the one to let me know uh, of anybody else I could think of. I'm really curious to see the data on Games Pass. And something I'm really also wondering is, if a game was to launch on Games Pass, like most of their exclusives do, is it is it successful for the company in the same sense of sales? Like, I know it's different for each individual example, too, because some games are going to sell better than others. And then I'm assuming Microsoft will give them a projected amount of revenue. Based off of the amount of downloads they see it getting. Yeah. And then maybe similar, like we've heard from other things where if it, if it exceeds a certain download amount, then they give them more money. Yeah. We don't know. I'm really curious about that because one thing that with games passes, I'm, I'm, I wonder if companies still remain successful in the same sense as if they release the game normally. And if they do, then absolutely PlayStation needs some competition on release. Day one releases on now. And if it still treats the... It depends on what we mean by day one releases, right? Yeah, that's why I said some. Because Last of Us and stuff like that, I don't think would ever hit something like that. But other smaller games... third-party games... games, Or even some VR games, stuff like that. That would give people who own VR a good reason to own PS Now. Say if Astro Bot came to PlayStation Now day release, that'd be a worthwhile month to at least dive into PlayStation Now. And then who knows? It's like Hulu. You're like, ah, this free trial. Then three weeks later or three months later, you're like, ah... I forgot paid to, them this much. For, forgot to cancel Hulu. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that Blake uh, actually can, he, we've talked about it before. Uh, he, he said that there's a lot of independent developers, and he, he links me to some some um, articles that talked about it. There's some independent developers who actually said that their games get a lot more, like they get a lot more viewed uh, and, and kind of a, a more of a platform than they would have if they didn't go on PS Now because there's, or not PS Now, I'm sorry, Games Pass, because without being on Game Pass, they're just another indie game in the Xbox marketplace. But being a day and date release on Games Pass and, and locking in that much money, there's more engagement with their game, which gives them more people downloading it. And it makes me think that we're to the point where very similar to what we've heard be the story with um, PS Plus games, they're given a certain amount of money per downloads. So yeah. technically, they might be making more money because more people are downloading it and playing it and trying it because it's technically, it's technically free. free. I mean, and they're I'm, making more money than they otherwise would have while getting more notoriety and and name recognition than they would have. And then people who don't even subscribe to that service are getting more natural sales. And one of the things that happens with games pass, uh, is that some of these games hit day and date. They don't stay forever, but you have the option to buy them with game pass with a discount. A perfect personal experience with myself is that super hot always looked like a really fun game to me. Yeah. 
but I never really ever considered buying it for some reason. And with Games Pass, I downloaded it on PC on a Saturday that I was off, and I played it for like four hours. It was really fun. I wouldn't have bought that game, yeah. but it was a super fun game to play. And I think that that's important that a lot of people don't realize is that when games are free and you're bored, you're like, I'll try this game out. Yes, you know? absolutely. And like uh, another one I actually downloaded, but I still never played. I, I don't know if I got busy that day or what, was Slay the Spire on PC for Games Pass. I downloaded that game. I downloaded um, Spartan Assault, whatever that other Halo game is that's on there. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I, I'm really curious after, you know, five years of data with Games Pass, how successful it really was to the company. Because Microsoft seems to be kind of, I don't want to say scared, but con- uh, but almost worried to release the numbers. Because I don't think we've ever seen the full numbers yet. For the total revenue that Game Pass has earned to them. Well, now see, now this is one of those interesting things about this particular conversation, and this is this has been a year of it changing still, and we don't know where it stands exactly. But let's think: this time last year, Games Pass was already quite the deal, and had a lot of first-party games day and date, had plenty of third-party games day and date, and a lot of indie games day and date releasing on the service. And it's always had the same price, that ten dollars a month. But you know, back in uh, this time last year. Uh, they were showing that PlayStation Now accounts for 52% of the market for subscription-based, service-based gaming platforms. See, I'm curious about that, because how did they get the numbers, and yet we're still left in the dark with what Xbox really has? Because people really want to see the uh, true Games Pass stuff, but well, Xbox look, leaves it out. Well, And look, I'll tell you right here. This just goes to show. So this is the, the research firm Superdata has reported that online game subscription services granted uh, generated $273 million in revenue in the last quarter. So this is just one quarter uh, between July and September 2018. This is, again, a year old. Breaking down the various services they show, PlayStation Now is beating all the other services combined, grabbing 52% of the revenue. Now, here's the interesting thing. You think, well, how much is Xbox Games Pass on the side of that? Xbox Games Pass of the entirety was 15%. With EA, uh, with EA Origin, uh, or EA Access, whatever you want to call it, 8% Access Premier being 9%, and then the other uh, Origin Access, I'm sorry, was 8%, and then EA Access Proper was 16%. So when you go to look at that, this also comes in here, right? So look right here. This was still leading online game streaming. This was in April of this year. PlayStation now has 700,000 users and is leading game streaming. See, that's more users and more money and, and higher has, growth than any other service. This has 64 million for Games Pass. Active well, Xbox Live has 64 million active users. Game Pass subscription subscri- oh, is yeah. all high. That's not it then. No, there's no way it. there's 64 million. 9.5 million. Is the what I was looking at. So like I don't yeah. know. Games and this is a NeoGAF thread where they they just said Xbox Games Pass is uh, estimated to have over 9.5 million monthly subscribers. It's like, but Xbox hasn't ever said that. So, like, we don't know. Yeah, it, it makes see, it like, very that's, hard. That's why I'm reluctant to trust that chart is because we don't know that for yeah. sure. Well, and and then, that's the chart that you always see people using. Well, this is Superdata. So Superdata is one of the only people. I mean, we'd have to look at who they're using for this data collection because Superdata does it separate of what the companies are giving out. They're, they're tracking sales and looking at different things uh, that they can try and track. But all that said, yeah, I get it. Makes sense that these are very, very different things. Uh, you know, one of the things that Blake was talking about is like Games Pass is up to like 250 games, which sounds like a lot, right? Yeah. Where- P- PS Now is at like 800 games. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and when I said that to him when we were playing Sea of Thieves on Game Pass the other night, he said, whoa, 
Uh, he's really surprised. And of those 800 games, like 450 of them are PS4 games. And the rest of them are PS3 games and PS2 games that are streamable as well. So it, it, they're very different services. And I actually kind of, uh, I like that to an extent. They also offer streaming, which Game Pass doesn't, unless Xbox decides to loop xCloud in with Game Pass, which I don't see them doing. So it's a, it's a very interesting thing. But I guess what I'm going back to is I agree a lot with what Jim has said. So his, his last little quote, and then we'll, we can kind of go on and, and give our final thoughts. But he says, it's an area that is fast changing and fluid. The nature and scale of some of the first party games that we are making leads us to think that right now it's better to spend energy on making sure that the launch of those games is a massive entertainment event. I would cite God of War and Spider-Man and The Last of Us 2 next year will fall into that category. That's where we stand right now, but our stance on the inclusion of first-party games in PS Now in terms of what we've done this month is very different to our stance 12 months ago. In case you don't know what this month was, it was, of course, uh, Uncharted 4, Infamous Second Son, and uh, God of War alongside Grand Theft Auto V and some other big games that they all brought in. So, of course, they are bringing some exclusives out in a much different pace. He says, I don't want to say this is what PS Now is going to be like forever, but certainly right now, given how some of our first-party IP is incredibly special and valuable, we just want to treat them with amazing care and respect and have those launches be clean and pure, which is obviously him saying that he wants them to launch without day and date, no worrying about PS Now and, and cutting the subscribers. Let it be, and I actually think that this is something we see in movies a lot, right? Uh, movie theaters. A lot of what micro, I mean, a lot of what uh, Marvel does is they try to make their movies to be events. It's it's not about whether you can go and watch these movies elsewhere later. It's about wanting to watch them in theaters so that you can be part of the event as it happens. So them going to do it and trying to get more people to drive to buy their console is a sensible way to go towards this because. If people want to be part of the event that's going on right now, and while their name still carries, you know, the PlayStation are the only on PlayStation name carries a lot of weight at this particular moment. Using that to the best of your ability is perfectly fine. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I, I, I don't think that this is the only time we see it in the market or in, in a market. We see it with Disney and their movie market like crazy to the point that uh, most movies that come out in the theaters are big events. Most of there's very few small movies hitting theaters anymore because Disney has completely has completely championed and for better or worse, really rallied in the idea of movie releases supposed to be big events that everybody tries to do and watch in the theaters so i mean it's it's a it's an interesting connection to those two but i i personally agree with it and i'd be curious to see what you guys think if you want if y'all are watching on youtube throw it down in the comments below if you're listening go yell at us on twitter or something <laughs> Uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting because this is all without Google Stadia in the mix. Google Stadia launches this month to what seems like absolutely no fanfare. It actually seemed like it had more hype earlier this year than it did than it does now. It's funny. I was actually going to ask when the Stadia launched just a second ago because I don't remember when. I think it launches in like a week. Go, go, go look it up. <laughs> Are they going to November nineteenth? So a week and a half. Yeah. So interesting, I mean, and it just. It'll be more interesting to see what Superdata's numbers are for next year as we start to see how big Google comes into the to the play at. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, all right. Um, let's see. I guess time for our main topic. Let me roll through real quick and make sure there's nothing else. But I'm that's a good good spot to go ahead and go do yeah, that. So yeah. I'll, I'll just preface it just in case. So this is our general first early impressions of Death Stranding. I do want to be somewhat. Uh, upfront about a warning is that if you guys are super 
like us and you don't want anything spoiled even in the slightest, this may not be for the topic for you because we're going to talk about story stuff or we may talk about story stuff up until the second chapter. I mean, third chapter. Brett and I both uh, are not to the third chapter yet. I will give nothing super specific. I'm going to be clear. I, I really hate spoilers for games this much. Yeah, but I'm talking so about just general It's going to have to be general ideas. So we will give you, I mean, I think on both we can agree that we're going to give you general rundowns of mechanics. Yes, um, gameplay loops. We, we, may, we may mention dialogue that will, that will sound... We're, we're not going to give a lot of context confusing. to it. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, I mean, but it's it's more about things about that individual line of dialogue that, you know, I have a couple of things I'm already thinking in my mind of. Like, if I gave you too much of the context around it, then it'd make, it, it would be like, okay, then you're spoiling. But if I'm just mentioning something and, and quoting one small line of dialogue. And I don't, I don't even know if I can fully you. spoil anything because I don't know anything yet. Well, I think that's half of what's great about these impressions, right, is that the game is so weird. Like you said, unless you're one of the people, which I know there are plenty of you and I completely understand, unless you're one of the people they that exist in the round where you want to go into this game 100% dark and you hit, can't start it yet, yeah, I, would, I completely understand. If you I, want to come back and watch this and see yeah. what we think. Absolutely. If you skip this episode entirely, I understand. You know, we're just, it's a slow week. We had a weird day. I didn't prepare news. We kind of just were like, what What do we do? And this seemed like a fun, chill way to go about doing yeah, it. Yeah. And then so that when we actually do a uh, Death Stranding review, uh, we got, you guys can come back and kind of listen to see how we, how our opinions may have changed or, you know, anything else about it. Yeah. Because so, this is very early of the game. I mean, yeah, Saul's I, longer than me. I think Saul's around eight hours. Eight hours in. I, and, I would say I'm probably. Four hours in, maybe. Uh, I would say you're probably around five or six. I don't. It feels like four to five. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say that seems about right. Because so, you're not. You're you're only a couple of delivery and cutscenes away from me. Okay. Well, cool. There we go. Uh, anyway, so I guess this is what we'll say. If, depending on who you are and where you are in this, if you got to go right now because you don't want to hear anything, we'll see you later. See you next time. And if you've been thanks for being here this long. And if you've been playing the game in your past chapter three. Stick around because obviously you're going to know all this. Yeah, sure. All right. So I think the first thing is. Or episode three. This is just my fun way of coming into it. If you had to use one word to describe this game so far, what would you say? Weird. Okay. I'm going to go vague. Vague, yeah. Vague is my word. (laughs) One of my biggest, like, my biggest factors of wanting and and motivations to play this game is to figure out what the hell is going on in the story. Yes. Because as of right now, I kind of can piece together the reason the world is like it is. I can kind of piece together the way people are acting and the technology. And there's, there's obvious reasons on what happened and, and how, but there's also other things that they're alluding to, characters in the game that just completely to me is confusing like the like your quote-unquote mother and daughter i mean mother and sister Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense to me i want to figure out more about that um realistically i'm just curious to learn more of the lore and something i need to do is it did tell me that you can go into your logs and read more about yeah Mm -hmm. and I, i want to go do that um but yeah like it's it is certainly a kojima game I don't have a ton of negative stuff to say about the game at all. My hit that light switch. We're gonna have the old BB. I actually light. thought about that when I went to the bathroom. This is, we're about to get into the Death Stranding mood, guys. There we go. I didn't do much. It gave a little bit. Oh no! All right, go ahead, Saul. I wasn't trying to interrupt you. I had to get back to my mic. Hold on. 
But uh, why do you always pull the table? Just use your legs, Saul. You're a human. You have legs. Yeah, my 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 socks slip on the on the hardwood. Wear your shoes, you monster. No, who wears the shoes inside? That's the real monster. Yeah, you're the real monster. But yeah, like so far, um, it does have a little treat for you viewers. It, it it's almost like Breath of the Wild, in which you are tasked to go to a destination that is really really far away from you, and there are things that are going to get in your way on the way there. And the nature of that loop is repetitive. It is simply take a package and... I'm actually, dude, that's a really solid agreement. It's part of why I really didn't find Breath of the Wild to be that compelling. What's weird is that there's both... Because I didn't expect it from that game. It is, yeah, it is managing your stamina and stuff like that. The rain gets in your way, stuff like this. It's almost the same as Breath of the Wild. What I will say, though, that is interesting about it... You know how many people are going to be mad right now? Death Stranding sucks. How could you say it's anything like my masterpiece in Breath of the Wild? People are going to be the exact opposite. opposite, (laughs) Um, But what I really like about it is the unpredictability. Is that you go and you want to stack up on everything. And you may be going to a new location. Or you may just be exploring. And what's interesting is that the gameplay loop in itself is somewhat repetitive. Up until the... From what I hear, the third chapter... But every time that I've played, it's, it's something unpredictable has happened, whether it's randomly getting attacked by BTs or uh, have you actually gone in and fought mules yet? Yes. It's interesting how you fight mules because the game does not want you to fight them. They yeah. want you to be stealthy about it. Like it truly wants you to play like a Metal Gear game in a sense, because up, up front and forth, you're not going to be able to fight them that easily. Now, that goes into a big thing for me. I think that the game feels very much Kojima in terms of in terms of visual style and story style. I think it feels very Kojima. Kojima is vague and odd, and there's a, it's trying to confuse you on purpose to give you the drive to continue playing like we talked about, and that's exactly where I'm at as well, right? But on the other hand, the game does not play much like what you'd expect from a Kojima game until combat comes into play. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, oh, this is... This is Kojima as it gets, almost. You know what's really interesting? A lot of people disliked Metal Gear Solid Five because they thought that Konami had a lot of hand into it and that it was such a different Metal Gear Solid game. And people blame Konami. I'm I actually blame Kojima for that one. It's dude, that's it's Kojima. Because <laughs> and I never like I never had a big issue with Metal Gear Solid Five other than the story arc that happens mm-hmm. where I think that it should have ended. But if you look at the um when you're in a terminal, you have your gear selection screen in which you can manipulate the gear and add stuff. There's literally a um that's a screen in Metal Gear Solid 5. It looks the exact same with the pale background and everything. Um right there. Tell me that is not almost the same screen. Mm-hmm. Except it, this is on this side. Yeah. Um No, actually that's another thing, right? When you the one part that makes this that does make this photo like Kojima game is it it gets really complicated in the UI for some reason. The UI is bad. I'm I'll, not going to say it's bad, but will, it's, it's far from optimal. It's, it's bad. Like the, the quality of the UI is lower than anything else in the game. And everything else in the game so far that, I, that, that I've seen is pretty high quality. So it, yeah, it, 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 looks, it, looks, like, it looks fine, but it's tedious. It's tedious to use. Yeah, yes. there's a lot of weird button holdings. And 
there are times that when I'm having turning... to have them to accept every little thing. Yeah, it, there's times when it I'm just turning... feels like, why are you doing this? Well, have you ever turned in a uh, delivery and it's like, I can't tell if I just turned that in yes. or not. Yeah, and it's just like, and I've left before, and I was like, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad they call you and like, hey, Sam, you're forgetting this. You can't make the delivery without this. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, let me run back down there and grab. Have it. you? Did you run into the problem when you first hit the things where you can entrust lost cargo? And then going between whether you entrusted it or not and what you're supposed to do. I have, I, no, I haven't really messed with that. I did it once or twice, like, but I don't really remember it. So I've been obsessing over Lost Cargo in the game. I go run around and look for it, and then I'll put it into I'll a thing. It. and I'll, I'll and get I'll, it if I'm on the way back to the location it goes to. Oh, see, I just get it anyway because those little mail terminals that you can build up or that you can find out in the world, I, you can send the stuff back through there. Or if you go to a distribution center, you can send them I right carry, there. I love ladders. So I carry like four ladders with me. <laughs> ladders really are like the, like I'll leave a ladder too to get the likes and stuff, which is a really cool system in the game. Yes. But like ladders are, are such like that they, they help you improve the quality of traveling so much so here's up a, until you get the bike. Here's you the funny the bike part. working. <laughs> I, this is going to how, how different everybody's going to handle this. Right. And I am curious to see, this goes into the leveling side of things and how weird the leveling is. Cause there's one leveling system that's entirely only about your delivery. Yes. Then there's level that's completely based around combat and all this other weird stuff. Uh, but I once, just because of my dedication, I went and picked up an item that was pretty close to where in where I needed to go back in. It was for them. And I went and picked it up, and I was like 15 kilograms overweight. And I slow tread my whole way up, because you can't climb ladders or anything. <laughs> there, there, you can't set ladders or you can't do anything. There's a, there's a real soon, there's going to be a uh, mission you're going to have to do, a delivery, where you there's, there's two current deliveries off, available at once. I just grabbed them both. I always do that. Yeah. I tried to grab both of the items that you could take with you. You cannot do that because they, they were that heavy. Oh, wow. There's five containers or four containers and then plus a power supply for a printer, I think, or something. And It's the power supply for the windmill. Yes. It's the big yellow thing. And I think you have to take up there by yourself. And that, I'm telling you, the wind farm is far away from your end. Do not try to slow walk there. I can carry more, though, because I've been, I've been you, you know, the game, and this goes back into weird stuff, right? So mechanically, the game is really interesting. The game tries, it's, it's a very RPG-like in the game trying to build towards what you're doing and what you show that you have interest in doing. So since I'm constantly carrying a lot, I quickly leveled up my delivery volume. Which lets me carry more weight. Yeah, you talking about quickly. So I hit that real early. Are you on. talking about in your title screen of what kind of delivery title? Yeah. You are? So when you deliver on and there's a star that starts to grow out. Yeah. The first thing I up, the first thing that got severely upgraded was you grabbed everything because I could. constantly grabbed yeah. a bunch of boxes. So the game does it, it. It gives you ways to better do the things that you're already doing. But it also shows you where you where you're lacking and where you could do more. Something else that I really like about the game. Have you used the optimized? Uh, yes. Yeah, I do that every time. So, Put so ladders on my arms and my yeah, legs. Yeah. So what he's talking about is that when you go in, and I'm glad that this is here. Actually, this is one of the few UI things that I think is a really good move because I don't even try to like throw it around anywhere specific. I just throw it all in my inventory, then optimize it. Early game. Yeah, and I'll do it a little bit. I'll do it personally a little bit. But early game, when it first did it, I was like, hold on. Is half of this game going to be me playing, you know, essentially Tetris ar- on your arm, back. Bo- yeah, arm yeah. and back Tetris, um, arm, leg, and back Tetris? And thankfully, when I saw that button, I said, oh, this just says, like, you know, hey, if you want to go through the minutia of finding the best way 
on on your own to carry this or if you just want to be that person who wants to find your own way that's fine you can do it the game does not force it on you but if you want to be somebody who realizes that this is something that's probably not for every player and this is already a game that's not for every player but, yeah you know if you really don't want to get stuck up in all the minutiae of that then you can say okay i'm going to give the game the ability to tell me what's the best optimization for me to be able to carry more stuff in a balance oriented way yeah, yeah. So. Because when I had that printer on my back or whatever, I was like hunched forward. And at first I was like, because there, the, there, the, like I said, there's the two deliveries. There's that one for the wind farm, which you're on, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there's, uh, there's one that's for right outside for the bridge, which you're also on. Yep. And that's the two you cannot carry each other with. Um, do the, just take the bridge stuff <laughs> because literally it's right outside the door almost. Um, but I just loaded it all on my back. When I turn the game on, when we get done, I'll show you. So you actually can carry all that and not be red? That's from everything's on me. See, I'm going to just start picking up packages then. I didn't know that that was in relation. Like, that yeah. makes it makes sense. But I will say I'll address one thing that I've seen online a lot of <clears throat> lately. And it's this game. Like, I'll see a video of it. And it's just like somebody doing the, the standard loop of the game. They're like, this game was boring. Like, you don't understand. It is essentially you taking packages from point A to point B early game. But there's so much that can happen in between, and there's so much to worry about you doing to prepare, and the survival nature of it is that it's not just that. Like it's not just a walking simulator. It it goes into one of the things that we've talked about a lot, where there are games that exist in such a way that they are not fun to watch other people play. Yes, but they are fun to play because of what they require you to do. Oh. Half of the fun of this game in these moments, and I'm not saying that you know this is real early game. Right now, I'm really compelled and drawn, and I, and the gameplay is not my favorite. I will say that it's not my favorite, but it's it's so far away from being right now so bad that it pulls me away from the rest. It's compelling. It's yeah, not that at all. It's, Instead, it's just one of the weakest parts of an otherwise really interesting game, and I don't even mean that in a bad way. It's yeah. just like if you had if I had to order them, I think gameplay might be the last, even though it's still interesting in its own way. Do you know what example captures the early game really, really well in my head? Go ahead. When you start a new Minecraft world. Oh yeah, it's, well, you I mean, almost it's, it's like, like it's it, you. You said it a second ago, and I think that, that Minecraft fits into that, right? Is that at the core of what you're talking about is Minecraft survival like nature? It's about yeah, it's, it's about slowly learning how to best do these things, and the stress that comes from. I don't think that it'd be fun to watch someone else without any kind of yeah. sound or anything. I, I don't think it'd be fun to watch somebody else start a Minecraft world that had never played Minecraft. Yeah, and and, and, the, and the fear of like there's a zombie beating on my door. It broke my door. This is also a game that keeps you really interactive with your controller because you can't just hold forward and go over rocks and stuff. Yes. You'll actually start to tip and fall, and that's where the controls of you having to balance yourself with R2 and L2 come into play, where if you're leaning to the left, you want to hold R2 to counterbalance the weight. Now, here's the great and, thing about that. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I, oh, I, well, I was going to say, and just paying attention to what is around you. There have been multiple times I was just trying to hold forward and like check my phone for a second. You can't do it. Like you, It's very interactive, and it's not in a in a... In a like repetitive or even annoying sense. It's, it's really fun. It's engaging. Yeah. I'm one of those kind of people too, that like with Skyrim, I will try to mod it to make stuff like campfires a necessity uh, survival aspects a necessity, stuff like that to really get immersed into having to survive in this world. And this game does it really well. Yeah, Yeah. it does it really well because every time you, you, you track out, it's different. The core of what you're doing is the exact same, but the experience of getting to point A to point B is 
always different because at any given time, a BT could pop up. A mule uh, could pop up. Have you had harsh uh, winds yet? Yes. Yeah. Harsh winds and rain can pop up, you know, and then that's kind of like, do can I get there in time to, or do I want my score to go lower by letting this deadfall hit me or time fall hit me? And, uh, or, and just trek it out. Like there's things you could do. Like, do I need to take my bike on this mission or not? Like, that's something you'll be questioning here in a little bit. And, you know, what I really like, this game goes from a survival game to a horror game when BTs come around real quick for me. Yeah. Because I've said it a million times on this podcast. One thing in horror that gets to me, and it's not something really movies can simulate, but games do it really well and, Outlast is always the perfect example is being chased. Yes. I've said it before Alien Outlast or uh, Alien uh, Isolation. Out, isolation. Uh, Alien Outlast. But Alien Isolation did it really well. This game does it really well. There's moments, and I don't know what to call it, but essentially you get um, attacked by BTs, I guess, and then you something. Get, you get noticed. And in the effort to not be attacked, yeah, you try to sneak around. But there's what is it called? Like when the when they see you and they start pounding on the ground near you, and you see the things splashing up. Yeah, but there's. Have you had it so much now? Like, have you ever been dragged around? Oh no. Oh, you haven't. Okay. Well, I'm not going to spoil it then for you. But there's something that can that like some like real BTS pop up then. Like and I'll and I'll, you'll see what I mean when you play it. But I don't know. Like I guess I wasn't being quiet enough, or like I tried to run. And it's it's it started like you saw the gameplay trailer when he was in the forest and he was getting like trying to get dragged. You have to hit button combinations there to get out of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't, something well, like you'll see what happens. Yeah. And well, it becomes a horror game real quick because you're trying to run out of there. And I just said you can't run that easily in this game without paying attention. You can't pay attention because everything going yeah, on. Yeah. So like you said, it's even if so that, that's horror because there's something inspired by it, right? But then there's yeah. moments where sudden tense things happen, like when you're running down a hill and suddenly you're you have way too much in your back. The hill's too steep, and you start running. You have to catch yourself. And you slide. Yeah. And you're have sliding. you ran off? I, that was the first time. Uh, let me ask you this: In the first ten minutes of the game, are you supposed to have to end up killing yourself? I mean, what do you mean? Like, there's a cliff. Are you supposed to go off that cliff to get to the next area? Because I felt like I can't. Rec- I, I'm trying to remember now, but I felt like I died in the game um, when I fell off the cliff and it came first person and I fell. Or was that just a completely unique death animation? That was you. Because okay, didn't, that didn't happen. That didn't me. happen to you. Okay, there was a spot that like where it spawned me wasn't the exact same spot I died in, and I figured I like had to die to learn the strand mechanic of when you die to get to the other side. And I felt like I did that because it moved me closer, and I was like, oh, okay, I can go. I down didn't this have little. that happen until the game forces you through cutscene to die. No, this was not the same thing. This was that that, that only died once technically because the cutscene you die the strand thing is different. Yes, uh, in in game, like you saw your body sitting out there. That's not how it looks when you really die in that cutscene. It's different. You okay. actually see strands, and you have to go find your strand. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So, uh. Yeah. I. I there. But that. But that is specific point of dying. There's been three or four times now. Where to the place I'm going to, and on the way to the windmill or wind farm, there are cliffs that you kind of can run around. But in this game, you can't stop running instantly. Like, you still run a little, like, a couple feet. And there have been a couple times where I almost flew off cliffs because I couldn't stop in time. And luckily, I've caught myself. But have you noticed that where if you're sprinting, and I don't know if it's because the ground's wet or if it's my weight or what, but, like... You'll still take a couple extra steps when you go to Yeah. Time. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's just a... I it's think real, it's a realistic it's, standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know... 
it goes back to a lot of this game, but what, what I was saying a second ago that ties into that idea of like, I'm not even going to say horror because even when there's nothing behind it, it's like there's a, you were talking about the game keeping you constantly in, right? You can do a lot. Uh, you can scan the, the terrain and it'll show you whether it's blue, it'll be easy terrain, yellow is medium terrain, and red is terrain that might have that a, an adverse effect on you. That, what is that? Tell, it I has can't a name. remember. Yeah, I can't remember. But uh, when you go to do that, you know, one of the things that can happen is you can it. be in a body of water crossing a river and suddenly drop into a deep part and not notice. And it happens so quickly and you have to respond very quickly. You have to do the same thing. I assume it's similar to this dragon mechanic he mentions is that you have to... Uh, you have to paddle with your arms to try and get to where you're at a piece of land that is level enough that you can put your feet down. And you have to literally paddle to one side kind of the water of. and then hit circle to to hit to stand again. And it takes a, a, little, a little figuring out of how to get over to where you need to be. It's not that same, but it's And similar. you can lose items, and then you go through this thing of that, yeah, that you, the happen. items will fall off your back, and you go, oh, now I've got to go figure out how to get them out of this deep water with, the, with what I have. Do I find where they finally stopped and build a bridge across so I can walk by and pick them up? There's all sorts of weird ideas that you can do. But that goes back into I think that this is a game that's so different for everybody that you know we were before we started recording we were looking real quick I just opened up one news article and in, in the side it said that Kojima knew that this game would be divisive that he yeah. knew that the scores would be very mixed and you know what I think that you know playing it I go through the if I was the one making this I would be I'd be hyper aware of the fact that there's a high chance that this is not going to be for everybody. Or really, there's almost a guaranteed chance that this is just going to be very weird and everybody's going to feel different. Even people who have long time been fans of Kojima, yeah. I think there's going to be people who are Kojima fans that this does not sit with. I agree. And it's just going to happen. You know, I, like I said, I'm a long time Kojima fan. I, I don't want to say that like in terms of a fanboy thing because I don't think I'm on that level. There's I've seen a lot of things people have said. I'm like, no, nah, that's not true. Like, that's factually incorrect involving quality and stuff and i'm not going to take it for somebody that much but what i will say is that in like metal gear solid 5 i will tell you that there's a point in that game like where it should have ended and like the rest of the story except for one arc at the very end the last part of that story mission or that story um should have been cut and i think that what they did was fine with the the, the thing at the end but the rest of it should have been there and um yeah, like I'll call people out. Like Metal Gear Solid Four was way too cutscene heavy. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, when, I, when someone that says actually, that's why I think I like five better. I haven't made my mind up about that. When but, someone says, "Hey, I didn't like four because there's a ton of cutscenes," I don't even really blame them. I go, "I get it." Yeah, I just really like the cutscenes. But yeah, and that's that's kind of how this game was earlier, but now it's not. Like I actually, whenever you uh, you and Josh were talking about Discord, and you, he said it's been forty five minutes of, uh, and I said you probably paid play like five. I'm surprising that you actually played a lot more than that. In the yeah, first you do. Actually, I was a little game. surprised. Uh, and I, and I mean, go back to you know one of the things i guess we didn't start with the beginning but i actually got to say the opening to this game is very compelling yeah it oh, does yeah. it does just the right mixture of showing you everything and confusing you to a point where you it hooks you in you're you're trying to understand how all these things are working what's going on to enough of all the big stuff that's happened and another thing i really appreciate you know i was starting to get the feeling that maybe they showed too much of the game no, no. everything that they showed it was is, all early game, like yeah. first two hours. Yeah, I'm more okay. The, every scene that we've seen so far from be a big thing, like the scene where you see uh, the guy have the rain hit him and he suddenly starts aging and then dies. Uh, you know that yeah. that that was seen. That's, that's very early the first game. hour of the game, maybe an hour and a half. But and, and that's something that they've been so good at lately across all these games. God of War had this feeling that they were showing too much. Immediately you start playing it, you realize everything they showed was from the very beginning. Yeah, you, well, and then the, Days Gone, everything they showed was from the very beginning. It, it's very. weird weird when you start going through these things and you start 
it, I guess it's getting to the point where games are long enough and diverse enough within themselves in terms of uh, in terms of environment. Like one of the things I'll actually say right now is I don't see Death Stranding's environment changing much, which is a bit of a shame. It's funny you brought that up because something I saw on Twitter yesterday was that apparently the actual environment changes. Like apparently they were like, I went to this place and now it looks like this. This is how the this is not how it looked previous. I don't know if that's a mechanic or. A I glitch, hope that that comes in because that's the one thing about the game that I think is for as beautiful as it is. The overview map. If it, we're really heading west, there's going to be snow. Yeah, it's true. So we're, we're so true. it just might be like that's what I'm really. But also, ex- man, we're, all it's been is moss and rocks and rivers for well, the entirety of America, and I I apparently went from Washington D.C. to like Minnesota and like. 45 minutes of walking. It's, it does one of those things that I've seen a lot of games do where they say you're trekking across America and there's never any loading scenes and you're always doing all the stuff, but suddenly it's like, how did I get across all of America? This this is one game where I'll actually say that the emptiness of it really fits to the story. Oh, the, the and, emptiness fits to the story. Well, this is a small pet peeve of just feeling like you're showing me a map of where I've went clearly a state and a half away in 45 minutes. Because you're trying to use rep- America that, that as goes a into representation. a theory that I have that I'll tell you about after. Because I don't really want to bring out bring in void outs to this. But um, you know what I was saying about the forest that 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 was in that trailer that we all saw where he got dragged around or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's literally right before the the iron or I mean not iron. Um, I can't ever get the name right. The um, wind farm. So like you're actually going to start going into a little forest area here soon. Okay. So it'll be a little bit of a breath of change. Um, That's good. And the area that I'm in now in the game, I'm not going to say what it is, but it's a breath of change. It's really weird looking, but it's... Well, that's good. I mean, when you have a game full of... real weird. When you have a game full of this much stuff that leaves you questioning, I would want an environment that leaves me just as much questioning, and I don't want the only question that the environment leaves me with is, is the whole game going to look like this? You will be surprised at what you see, I think. Because what... Like, remember how we were talking about it before we recorded, and I said, I think there are things that involve BTs that are scripted Mm -hmm. that, that, that... But it's hard to tell. Well, apparently it's not, because what I was talking about that I've seen. I've seen it twice now. One was on the way to the wind farm in the little forest area, and then one was before that. You haven't seen it, apparently. But what I'll tell you to do, next time you see a BT, go too close to them. You won't die unless you just, unless you just get, really, get really caught up, because I haven't died in this way yet. But go, go close to a BT and let him start getting the footprints and stuff like that. And oh, that's happened. Well, no, I had one where dude, they that. were immediately. I was like, "Oh God!" It's not just that <laughs> because the terrain, the terrain changes. You'll know it. You'll text text me to not when you get. To It'll look point. like you're falling into like an oil puddle, right? Everything will be flooded with oil all of a sudden. But there's also something out there. Mm. Yeah. So okay. Well, but, look. What all do we have left to talk about that you feel like we soundtrack have was amazing. Now this is one something that was interesting. You know this idea of this game existing in a part where a lot of the game you're completely alone um or i shouldn't say that a lot of the game is just you and bb i've been one thing we did not say before i get into this that i want to think of now that in our discord we've all been talking about this game before it hit you know there was a lot of questions and one person in particular blake was saying that you know and i understand this from one of the reviews i read it made it seem like this as well that Trying to constantly take care of a, of the baby and the and, and so Bibi, trying to constantly having to deal with him and him being uncomfortable or whatever, is that the a lot of the reviews made it seem like you were doing this stuff constantly, but it's not. Yeah, it's very minimum, and and especially the baby crying. 
Like realistically, now you can you can sue the baby at any time. Yeah, if but you, you don't have to. to. Yeah, you don't but have to. But the game does not I don't, necessitate that. It doesn't cause something to happen that would be like you have to handle this right now, or you're going to have a detrimental effect. It doesn't happen often. I don't understand the baby bar either in that regard because it seems like the lower it gets to, or the, the further it gets to the left, it's the it's worse. Like I don't understand. Yes, it's like it's almost depleting. It's it's. It, I consider the the bar to be his ability to handle stress. Gotcha. Not but the I, stress again, limit. which comes down to bad UI because the first time I thought the same thing. I said, okay, well his stress is going down. Then I kind of it, it hit me. I was like, no, his ability to handle the stress is going down. Or I, I can you know I consider it his desynchronization because you know they explain why these things happen. Yeah, um, and it's 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 for so far though I would say the story is pretty simple. But it's just very yes. vague. But going into your thing about the music and how the soundtrack is good, I, I do agree the soundtrack is very fitting. Uh, but it, I found it weird that it does feel like almost like you're just doing a, a, a walking emotional music video sometimes. Like you just you're walking, song starts playing, and you're just going and trekking it out alone with your BB. It's a very weird game in the way that it chooses to show all these things. And one of the things I saw the most that I thought was pretty interesting was um, Tartar. What, what's the dude's name? Who? Tartar uh, Tartakovsky. There we go. Who? Tartakovsky. Gindy <laughs> uh, Tartakovsky. And it's lonely. Uh, hold on. Is that a song? No, it's a. Uh, what are you looking at? Hold on. I'm, maybe I'm I'm using the name wrong. I'm trying to remember. I will it. say something that's really cool is that I was heading back to Port Knot City. Or <laughs> I was telling you these names and these confu- these cities are really confusing. But the main city oh. that you started out in, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden one of the um, songs started playing, and it came up like credits, and then it kind of zoomed the camera out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is really cool. This actually adds to just me kind of walking and 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 surviving out here and paying attention to this terrain. This really good song, and I thought that was really cool. It actually adds something to being out into this terrain area, this then this deadly this deadly area. Plus, you can always listen to your music player when you're in your private room too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the wording is for it, and it's killing me. What are you talking? But about? There was a reviewer that talked about the way that the game uses loneliness in a way that's like trying to essentially build bigger bonds between you and um, the players you do come across. It, it's it's weird, you know. Um, it's something that movies have used, and there's a there's a word for it, and I just can't remember what they actually call it. Uh, it's it's some kind of a weird word. It's like Tartovskin. I've never heard. I, that. I, I hate the damn word, but uh, but I, I do think that the way that the multiplayer works in the game, multiplayer being in quotations, it is really cool. Like whenever I come across somebody else's ladder, and I'm like, this is actually in a helpful spot, or the bridge. What I'm really curious about how this game is going to look in a year. Because have you looked in the PCC and stuff? You could build roads. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this game going to look in a full year? After people, like, there's going to be a dedicated audience out here building structures. Can they build cities? Like, is, yeah. the, is, is the way between the distribution center and the actual city, like, is that going to be an actual, like, paved out road with, like, up a mountain top? Like, with, with I don't know. I'm curious. And how permanent are all these things? Because, you know... If, if somebody dies the, and the creates one a thing, void out, does the, it wipe structures out? The one thing that we really haven't talked about that's, that is interesting, and, and it's probably the most interesting part of the whole game, is the online component. Yeah. One of the most interesting parts of trying to understand where the game goes with all these things, it's like we're all... You know, the, the game looks at it. I'll give you a very basic thing. So it's essentially like the idea of the asymmetrical 
multiplayer that we've found in games for a long time now. Dark Souls was one of the first ones to really bring it upon, but we saw it in No Man's Sky for a while and stuff too. But one of the things this game does, it's much more akin to what I think Dark Souls is doing. Uh, you know, you can leave signs to say, hey, there's a warning that this thing can be happening here. You can leave signs for motivation. You can It's not like you can leave a note, but you can leave things yeah. that are clearly indicating uh, Almost like things. emojis. Yeah. Then... You have the ability to leave physical objects behind, be it ropes, uh, anything that you put down. Once you connect an area that you're in to the Kyrian, whatever it's called. Chiral network. Chiral network. There we go. Thank you. Uh, then then suddenly you can see what other people have put in there, and it makes future treks in this area a lot easier. It makes it, Now, it is one of those things where it makes the initial one still hard. Yeah. That, well, that's what's interesting about it is that it's it's to get there is the real survival part, and then immediately afterwards it's, it's still suddenly, survival, it's like, oh. but it's it's a little easier because like yeah. hey, there's this bridge here that I can now access. They get a like system that goes along with this. When you see these things out and about, then you can tap the uh, the touch bar the touch within pa- like the touch five pad, seconds, and you can tap it as many times as you want to within that five seconds. Most I've gotten was 104. I don't. I don't that, I, it's not, in I've gotten a lot. That time limit. Yeah. Um. Try to get the trophies. So anyway, I've gotten a lot of trophies so far too. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. So anyway, you go through that, and now the the thing that is about that is so as you start to do that, once you do the initial trek and you unlock it, then you can start to see ladders other people have left behind, ropes, ropes that other people have left behind, watchtowers that other people have left behind where you can go up to them, click on them, and get a survey of your immediate land. Now, these are all things you can build on your own, but you can benefit from other people using them, and if somebody uses them, what I love about the like system as well is that somebody just sees it, you can like it without using it. Just you can be like, I appreciate that someone yeah. put it there. Then... If you're going, to, if you're one of those people that doesn't even think about liking, the game still has a fallback. If you use an item left behind by it somebody, it, it gives you one automatic like. Yep. Uh, so I really appreciate the way the game pulls that, but it does leave the question of: I think everybody gonna is everybody experiences the initial trek to any place the same way in this game, but the in between parts when you're working through a hub to get ready to go to the next one. What's that going to look like when you're done? And how weird would it be to play this game and suddenly go from it being like a harsh survival landscape to connecting to the chiral network and suddenly there being a road? Yeah. Um, and so it's not impossible. It's almost like the nuclear system that was in Metal Gear Solid Five that, like, that okay. Kojima was really curious about. Because there was a weird nuclear system where you could... So for those that don't know, the multiplayer side plus a little bit of the story of Metal Gear Solid Five, if I remember correctly, I might be incorrect about this, but was building Mother Base. And then you could actually obtain nukes to nuke things. Well, apparently, like, uh, Kojima gave this and hoping players didn't use them and people thought it had to do with some kind of secret ending or secret content in the game. And I don't remember it fully. It's kind of like this, where it's a multiplayer facet of the game that could be improved upon even after what I would think you could beat the game. Because, like, a lot of these structures that are popping up and stuff, like roads and stuff, is that people just grinding right then and there to do it? Or are they coming back? It's something we won't know until we beat the game, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to like, it, it kind of gets us, it, it's almost like a meta game within the game because you're all trying to understand just how in-depth this system truly is. We're all playing it in the early days and we're all kind of piecing it together. What does it look like three months from now when people are getting the game who have been waiting anxiously? Uh, how much more of it do they understand? How much more connected is it? You know, I'm still trying to understand what all this information is. You level up and you get a higher connection and it says, well, you can, now more items can be in this area more player created items or whatever you want to call it, chiral network items that you're seeing from other players can show up and, and exist in your area. Does that happen for everybody? Or is that just for me? Is it allowing me to see more that I would otherwise not see if I wasn't this level? Or is this allowing everybody that comes into this area as we keep tracking through 
to get more so that as more people play the game and track through, it gets easier and easier for the other person if they choose to utilize these routes. And is this kind of, because you know, the, the game does this thing where in the story, it's going through this idea and I'm not going to say too much, but it goes through this idea, constantly talking about connections and building connections. And it puts a lot of emphasis on America. And I found a lot of this interesting because why would a non-American citizen be so in, intrigued and interested by America and why is he using it as a catalyst for a story that's talking about people being disconnected and a need to come back together. Now he's mentioned himself some things about the way he feels about the way American culture currently is. He of course is referencing it here, but I, I find it so weird. So I'm trying to understand all these different avenues, how these things come together. You and, know it makes me wonder if, is that part of the multiplayer here as well? Is that, is the idea of uh, making you slowly as more people play, you're showing, what it can be like when multiple people come together and, and interact with something and how it can make it better if you choose to be, if you choose to utilize it. I don't know. That exact same phrase you just said about multiplayers coming together to do something to make life better is exactly what it was in Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, it's a, it is, so in Metal Gear Solid 5, you could build nukes okay. and use them. If every single player that built a nuke disarmed their nuclear system, a secret ending happened. But that would require every person in the game that built a nuke system to dismantle it themselves. So if there's a million people that did it, a million people would have to go back and delete their systems uh, for, that, for that weapon. And then uh, the secret ending would play. Apparently the secret ending got uh, on PC got... Uh, leaked. Uh, leaked, yeah. Data mined. Data mined. And some people got to see the real secret ending. But that was kind of the thing, right? You want to come together to take nuclear weapons out of the picture. Yeah. And then there you go. You're ordered with what the secret ending was. It's kind of like that, where you the, he wants everybody to come together and build a society uh, that we live in. We live in a society. And, <laughs> and, um, and come together and kind of flourish in this wasteland. Yeah, that was and, at one point a thing because it's funny they reference America even then as like uh, you used to be able to like somebody said you used to be able to drive to another country. Yeah, and, and that was uh, with your with the, with your one guy that got that got killed in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah but no, it mentions all this stuff, and the game mentions a lot of stuff that it's got a lot of dialogue items or dialogue lines that are interesting to me. One that I think is pretty it's out there it's just but it leads, it builds into the idea of the game is a, a character telling you a story about how uh, and I kind of do and don't like this how like suddenly for some reason it's supposed to be like I don't know any of this stuff and partially because the game doesn't do a, a good job of explaining when the Death Stranding happened which was this catastrophic event that caused all this stuff it doesn't explain how far away from it we are, how long ago did it happen. At first, you feel like maybe it was real recent, and then you start seeing stuff that's like, wait, what? Well, we know It's that happened so long ago that people found stuff out, and we've already lost that information because it's been that long. It, I, don't think, I don't think they ever found it out. Because that's, that's the purpose of getting the Chiron Network back up. Well, no, go, is that, but they said that it's, 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 it's getting lost info about BTs and stuff back. Oh, for So that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it, it leads you to think that maybe this is maybe we're multiple generations into this. Well, what's weird is the guy that was telling her Marinas that on the truck rod, he was like, "We used to be able to fly to other countries at free will and stuff." It's like that dude's not much older than Norman Reedus. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It I, makes you wonder, and I kind of I, I dislike it's, it's it from like the it's sense being of being vague on purpose. But yeah. I don't know why. Like I don't know if this is going to be one of those weird twist endings where surprise the Death Stranding happened a week ago and you were just born. I don't know. <laughs> 
But like when you think about it, you know, remember one of the trailers? You're Benjamin Button and working backwards toward the original. I, I maybe because you, do you remember in one of the original trailers that showed Mads Mikkelsen in, in what was definitely World War Two stuff? Yes. So like, what, what was that? I don't know, man. That's, what I, That's I, I'm so motivated to learn this game to yes, figure out what this yes. game's going to tell me. Uh, okay, but that, I guess that leads us to most of the end of it, which is uh, is that the the dialogue line? I guess I'll reference real quick was talking about how. Uh, and it, I just feel like it builds into what the game is trying to be. That it, it's trying to be its. Um, what do you want to say? It's trying to be its symbolism that it wants to try and stand behind the message that it's trying to subvert to and put everyone. in there. It, yeah, it, it talks about in one point of the game that what you're doing in the in the game, uh, and this was something we can talk about before we wrap up is, is names. But what you're doing in the game, of course, being a, a delivery person. Uh, there's a part where a character actually goes through and explains. He goes, you know, uh, back in the old times, which again makes me think that apparently I didn't live through any of this. But they are not as normal, readers, or at least that's what I'm, I'm confused about. How do you know this? But I'm supposed to not know this. Did I not exist in this time period? Or are you? Do you for some reason know this, even though you didn't live it? So far, but what, what I've what I've been I don't want to get away from this dialogue. Well, no, to answer your question real quick, though, what I've been thinking to that is that why is, why does Norman Reedus not know this? Is that this is something that not anybody was really supposed to know? Yes, but Illuminati information. Essentially. On, on top of that, though, so the the line of dialogue was about how and it's referencing now times. I of, love how this tied in. Yeah, so he the they're, they're talking about how at one point in time there were complete AI drones and everything going through and delivering and that it seemed like on paper it's the perfect system. It's everything you want. It's, it's almost a singularity, right? And that apparently people rioted and backlash because they've discovered that in the absence of the human nature, the human element in the, in the service industry, all soul of it was lost. So they didn't like it. So they actually went back and this is the line that they went back and recreated jobs that nobody needed, really needed and wanted. gave them to the people that couldn't survive without them. And I find that to be so interesting in the way that Kojima goes through all this. It's almost like he's using this game as a platform to like warn against the, the dangers of autom- automation. Possibly. Of all sorts of things. Well, like it's weird. Losing the human element in something makes for a product that's less, that I has get, less soul. You know what's weird? I get a near vibe from this, and that was essentially the context of the near story. Um, but also what I liked about that was that explained the whole entire lore in one sentence of the mules. Yeah. They are literally addicted to delivering packages and they want to steal people's packages yeah. to deliver them yeah. <laughs> themselves. <laughs> it's crazy. That's a Mad Max lore if I've yeah, ever heard it's, one. Yeah. Cause it's almost like at some point in time, people who were down and out and, and like the people that some people are talking about now, if, if you automate, what happens to these people that don't have anything else? Well, them, the people who finally came back and got a new purpose because they brought back these delivery jobs just to try and give people a need. He says the people that couldn't live without them. These are people that had no purpose that were given a purpose. And then the death training happens and it strips them of that purpose again. again. So what do they do? They find a way to keep going in. Well, this is a thing that we did that gave us purpose. So now we're going to do purpose. it no matter what. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Um, to kind of end it up here though, is like for, for so far, from what I've played, this game is super unique in the in the sense that it's not like anything I've played recently. I'm not going to say of all time because I'd have to do some serious reflecting there. I will genuinely say, for me, it's genuinely unlike anything I have ever it, played. It, it is something that, like, to this moment, I have plans tonight. But I just like I want to play this game tonight for like 
all night long. Yeah. But what's weird is that I get in the plane and I get into that loop and it's kind of like, oh, I guess I could break it eat real quick. But the second, like I'm sitting there thinking about it again, it's like, I got to hop back in and work towards it again. Dude, I didn't even last night. This just goes to show you that how this game is. I thought it would be so easy to pull myself away from this game. Right. Yeah. I was just started it last night. Uh, 11 o'clock hit. And I said, I need to go to bed soon. I'll go to bed at like 12, 11 45 that hit. And then I was like, and then John, Messaged me about something. I've gotten a party chat with him. We were both playing, and then I said, "I need to get off." I need to and be able to pay attention to this Suddenly, game. it was one o'clock, and I was like, "I have to get off of this game." Yeah, and one it, more delivery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're becoming mules. It, it, it surprised me, and yeah, that's also how meta the game is. Yeah, people I love it. It, um, It's just so unique and so refreshing that. But it's totally not for everyone. It's not for everyone. And I completely I understand that. that. I don't even, here's the thing. I'm not even sure that it's for me in the long run. It's for me right now. Yeah. Well, how I feel about that seven more hours in, I couldn't tell you. Something that could completely ruin this game is the story going to crap like it did Mugger Solid 5. Yeah, we'll if have If the see. story goes to crap, then I will be sad. But what do you guys think of the game so far? Now, this is going to be one of those really rare times for the community to take question. I want to limit it. Only people who have played this game, without giving spoilers, give us how you feel about the game so far. Do you like it? Are you kind of neutral on it, or do you hate it? Well, do you sure you want, you sure you want to cut out the people who who may have something to say about why they are why they are wanting to play it but haven't gotten the chance to yet, or why they haven't played it and why they don't intend to? I don't know. Because it could be if you've played Death Stranding, tell us how you feel about it so far. And if not. But, well, yeah, I guess if not, then. What is what is driving you toward playing the game when you get around to it? And what is driving you away from the game in a sense that you never feel like you want to get around to it? Yeah. So, yeah, just across the board. Yeah, well, yeah. If, you, if, if you've been playing the game, let us know what you think. And if you haven't, tell us why you haven't been playing the game. And, uh, yeah, no spoilers, though. So, please, be kind. Rewind. <laughs> I was um, about to say it. <laughs> uh, it was more fun. I've never seen that movie, but it looked amazing. I'm just going on Blockbuster. I didn't, I didn't know that was a movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Be, nope. be, kind, be Kind Rewind was a movie with Jack Black. Did he but work I never, as, like, a Blockbuster employee? I, I, I think that the, it wasn't a Blockbuster employee, but I think they were, like, a, a movie rental place. If you're going to steal a model of a company, why not just go ahead and get use the full company? I don't know that Blockbuster was – that was their model. Absolutely was. But what they were doing was apparently making, like, the movie is them making crazy versions of the movies that were coming back. Oh. Uh, yeah, because it's Jack Black and Most Deaf. What a weird combination. What a weird combination. But, yeah, did. for sure, that is that is 100% like Blockbuster's motto. Be kind of rewind. Okay, well, there you go. But Maybe it was Blockbuster. I didn't know. Random movie fact there at the end of a PlayStation podcast. But we thank you all for uh, watching and hanging out with us. And, of course, you guys will see us back for episode 138. 138. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell. i got to put my boy Chad V back in because he's back. I'm going to go ahead and shout him out. Matthew Green. My name is Dan Douglas Below. Sean Santarude. Eric McAllister. Matt Sycamore. Funk Turkey. Shadowist. Steven Salazar. The Stoner. Travis Below. Eduardo Palomino. Stefan Swanlin. Coy Live. Or uh, All Day Kenny. Everyday Kenny. What was it? Constantly Kenny. There we go. Philip Laguerre. Corey Hickerson. Brian Donovan Williams. William Digital Spooker. Derek Porter. Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and Dylan Kirby. If you would like to support the show in any way, shape, or form beyond just your time, which we love so much, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. We love you guys. Thank you.